So the ECB has lifted interest rates by 50 basis points, just like we said they would, lifting rates all the way to zero. But markets are expecting less, so we'll look at the reaction to that. And the ECB's plans for dealing with the repercussions on markets that are going to suffer the most from those higher rates, like Italy, for example, where a snap election is going to be called to replace Mario Draghi. And they are a country heavily reliant on Russian gas, just to add to their woes. Also today, the US, the labour market, is it losing some of that tightness? Could that help ease inflation? And could weaker manufacturing data also suggest that some of the Fed work is being done for it? And lots of PMIs today across Europe, the US and the UK. It's Friday, it's the 22nd of July, it's my mum's birthday today actually. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, quite a bit of bond movement today. Yields on 10-year treasuries in the US are down 15 basis points, down to 2.87%, down 17 for 10 years in Canada. A mixed response in Europe where 10-year yields are down 9 basis points in the UK, down 4 in Germany, but up 15 basis points in Italy. The euro has climbed 0.4% against the US dollar. The Japanese yen is up 0.6%. The Aussie dollar up 0.6% as well, almost 69.3 US cents now. All that means a small fall in the US dollar on the DXY index. European stocks have done well. The Euro stocks 50 up 0.3%. The CAC current also up 0.3%. But the DAX is down 0.3%. But we've got big rises in US equities, including a 1.4% rise in the NASDAQ, 1% for the S&P 500, and the Dow up half a percent as well. And big falls in oil, more than 3.4% down for WTI, heading down to $96 a barrel now, although it is trying to claw back that as we record this and Brent down 2.7% to just over $104. Now Ken Crompton joins me today from NAB in Sydney. Uh, Ken how much of the movement that we're seeing in bonds is down to the ECB lifting rates 50 basis points that was more than expected we have been saying 50 on this podcast that's NAB's been view but the consensus was uh, was 25 in fact ECB's own guidance was 25 uh, so presumably that that's why we saw quite a reaction on the bond markets to this didn't we <laughs> Yeah, that, that larger than expected move from the ECB did generate a, a spike in yields at the time that the 50 basis point hike was announced. So 10-year bond yields in particular jumped 10 basis points. Um, yeah, and over the course of the day, that a lot of that was was taken back pretty quickly. But um, the, the move there in 10-year yields wasn't so much anything to do with Europe, but more came out of softer data in the US, which I guess we can, we can touch on in a little bit that, that came out shortly after the, um, the, the, the ECB announcement. And at the end of the day, we've been left with a with a sharply flatter curve in Europe. So we've got the two-year two-year German yields are up about five basis points, the 10-year down three, which is what you'd expect from a larger-than-expected um, you know, larger move from, from a central bank. But I guess the, the question is how far they're going to go now because, you know, this move takes them, wow, all the way up to zero, uh, which means they are a long way, obviously, behind the Fed or even, you know, nearer neighbours as well. So presumably, you know, the the question is now, where do they go next? You know, another another big hike. They've got quite a bit of catching up to well, do. Well, I mean, one of the reasons why they've, they've elected to go 50 basis points this time is is to get a bit of front loading in. I mean, obviously, as, as we well know, the situation in Europe is has a lot more uncertainty uh, just arising out of the, the gas supply from, from Russia into, into Germany or into 
to Europe more generally. So by getting 50 basis points in now, that effectively gets a, l- a little bit of front loading done and I guess, you know, uh, is going to allow the ECB a, a, a little bit more, um, maybe not necessarily headroom, but certainly if they do run into to uncertainties with gas supply coming into coming into winter, then, you know, th- at least they've got a little bit of rate hikes under their belt. I mean, we've seen the um, you know, Nord Stream 1 came back online yesterday at, at, at roughly a, the amount of capacity that was that was running beforehand, so at about 40%, but with this sort of constant background of, uh, of threats or, or, or cautions, maybe, maybe maybe they're not threats, but cautions from, um, from the Nord Stream operator, from, or from Gazprom, as well as from uh, President Putin, that if some more parts don't arrive, then that uh, that that pace could slow off again. Yeah, exactly, so, it is a big worry, isn't it? So those those flows, by the way, the the numbers I've seen, oilprice.com saying it's around it's around twenty one gigawatt hours today compared to seventy back in June, and then when they cut supplies, it was reduced down to thirty. So it's 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 below that even. And we've got the EIA uh, warning Europe that's got to do more to cut supplies. They say that the fifteen percent cut that they are proposing, which is sort of only a voluntary thing anyway. Uh, they're saying overnight that if the, if the block waits and fails to adopt, adopt a more coordinated approach once we get into the winter months, the, the measures that they will have to do will be more drastic. So, I mean, there's a lot of uh, downside risk in all of this, isn't there? And, and obviously, as you say, you know, the gas, uh, particularly, you know, what is gonna hap- what's going to happen to gas in, in winter and how markets react to that, uh, that is, I mean, that's still a big question mark. I mean, I'm, I'm just wondering whether that risk is factored into 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 markets currently. Hard to tell. Yeah, it, it's very hard to, to get a, a good feeling of where implied pricing on something like those events are. I mean, certainly, you know, the, the, the market has sort of continued to price in a fairly aggressive path for the ECB Going forward, with, um, with 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 good chance of um, another fifty basis point hike uh, in the price for um, f- uh, f- for the next meeting in, in September, and then a, you know, a decent chance of um, rates getting up towards sort of one and a half or even higher by by mid next year. So at this point, yeah, you know, the, the market's sort of pretty confident the, the ECB is going to be able to to keep going. But I guess if you compared that pace of hikes in a relative sense to what we're seeing from some of the other central banks that uh, that aren't quite as close to, to this action, like. You know, the Fed, for example, you're right. Those that that pricing is uh, is fairly modest. So, given the inflation issue there, um, yeah, the, the ECB pricing is is certainly taking the you know, the the more cautious route, which which I think is um is definitely founded based on you know based on these risks that we've talked about. So it's a little bit in the price, but certainly from day to day, that there, there is room for a significant amount of volatility. And I think um you know the actions at the moment show that the the, the gas supply or the way that um the way that Putin has his hand on that. Is it's going to be a bit of a bit of a slow drip and a bit of uncertainty. Yeah, and uh, Putin's doing very well as well. I was reading a press report today that while Joe Biden has uh, got COVID nineteen and uh, is uh, sort of like having to not stay in bed, he's working apparently. But you know, he's he's not entirely well. Uh, I read a report that uh, Vladimir Putin. There were reports that you know maybe he's got cancer. You know, he's been seen uh, uh, out and about and he's quite well, apparently. So uh, we can forget about that being the end game for all of this. Uh, Let's talk about uh, Italy, though. And uh, well, actually, before Italy, just generally all those nations, as those rates go up, Obviously, there is the danger that we are going to have this uh, this fragmentation, uh, this uh, this heavy debt in Southern Europe, and what what the rising rates are going to do there. So the so-called transmission protection instrument, as it's now called, or the TPI, if we want to save time, 
Uh, that's been announced. They're not jumping into it, though. The, the, it was fairly light on detail, wasn't it, really? Yes, I think that's the, the that was always the key area that the market was going to be concerned about, that obviously there's been a lot of headlines that this tool was coming. Um, and what we've gotten overnight arguably didn't provide a, you know, a huge amount of detail on the, you know, the, the the sort of boundary conditions for the program. I mean, the size of it was said to be, you know, effectively unlimited. But uh, but yeah, but the conditions for which it's going to going to be implemented uh, are very vague at this point. You know, is it um, about an absolute level of spread? Is it how fast the spread is moving? Is it about volatility? Um, we know that the the ma- actual mechanism is going to be secondary market purchases of you know, sort of, of affected bonds. So you know, I guess Italy's the one getting the headlines at the moment. But obviously, you know, it, it's going to apply to sort of those other peripheral European bonds like like Spain and Portugal as well. And also, yeah, there, there was a little bit of detail given on the conditions that, you know, that, that, that will apply. So, you know, you, you've got to be within the EU fiscal framework. There's, there's got to be, you know, sort of, you've got to be in reasonable, uh, sensible macroeconomic balances, they've said, got to be fiscally sustainable and have sort of other good macro policies in place. And I think one of the questions for Italy in particular is, um, you know, given the political backdrop, um, you know, Prime Minister Draghi has now formally resigned, um, you know, um, a lot of the ECB or the the, the eurozone's formal, um, you know, sort of, um, yeah, fiscal sustainability and, and and macro guidance are, are suspended during COVID. But if those were to be re-implemented, you know, would would Italy actually comply with all those? That that's that that's I guess the unknown. So would Italy be even be eligible? You know, if, if all the normal rules applied. And yeah, it's, it needs it the most, doesn't it? I mean, you look at the spread between, you know, Italian uh, bond yields and those in Germany. So, I mean, it, they got up to 4.2% not well, not long ago. They were about 3.5% now for 10 years. I mean, compare that to we started the year at 1.2%. So how much wider does that spread have to go before they feel they need to do something? And if they're, they're there holding off and saying, ah, but you're not following the rules... I mean, what happens then? You know, you've got a country that's heavy in debt, heavily dependent on uh, on, on Russian gas, and it's it's obviously going through a political crisis. They need some sort of help. Yeah, exactly. Well, at least um, you know, in, in the sense of you know, sort of keeping you know, the the eurozone sort of system, you know, f- fiscally consistent. In in that sense, they do. So, um, yeah, more details are going are to be coming out about that over time. I think, arguably, that the market could could be said to have been a little bit disappointed. And I mean, certainly overnight, you know, um, yeah, as we're saying before, you know, German yields have ended up down three and a half basis points, ten year yields. Italy are up fifteen on the night. So there's twenty five point nearly 25 point widening in the spread just overnight so certainly that would indicate a little bit of disappointment by the market but um yeah it just sort of needs need these details to be seen you sort of get the impression that yeah sort of maybe the ecb's been a little bit um yeah maybe they've been forced to to, to, to put this out there a little bit earlier than they, they wanted to although the details not quite worked through but i guess we'll see how that um yeah how, how that's going to work out over time well the situation's changing situation's changing fast though isn't it really you get the sense that we are driving towards a brick wall without uh, arguing about when we're going to put our foot on the brake uh let's look at what's happening in the united states though uh Maybe uh, signs of easing, certainly in 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 the jobs market. So uh, we had the, uh, the the weekly jobless claims last week went up from two hundred forty four thousand to two hundred fifty one thousand in a week. They were expected to fall actually. So this is a case where I mean, not great news for those people who lost their job, but you know, anything which is uh, easing the job market uh, is obviously a good sign. 
for inflation. I'm glad you added that uh, that little bit of a rider there. Yeah, I wouldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't want to necessarily outright argue that um, losing jobs is good, but yeah, you're right. In the broader macroeconomic picture, it's not a bad thing. But um, often you do get a lot of volatility in the uh, in the weekly jobless claims around this time of year, uh, uh, and it's it's sort of relatively easy to to, to look at that in terms of uh, auto manufacturer retooling. So with um, with the large auto manufacturers um, taking plants offline to, to retool for new models or all that sort of thing, that often does generate a, a lot of um, you know, a lot of volatility. But you know these jobless claims have been ticking up from admittedly from from long run lows over the past few months. So whether there's a trend there. Um, Maybe there has been. It's difficult to sort of confirm or deny, particularly due to those seasonal adjustment measures that we're talking about. But certainly, um, you know, the the sentiment that that sort of injected into the market short has um, was, was a big reason why we've seen US Treasury yields fall so much overnight. We've sort of had a near parallel, you know, twelve basis point move down across the the body of the US curve, two year and ten year both down twelve basis points. And I think that that was actually the a major reason why. We've ended up with um, with lower, longer in yields in Europe as well. Just the gravity of the US Treasury move has, has pulled them down. Because around the same time as we got the uh, jobless claims, we also mm. got the Philly Fed yes. survey, which and was which the headline number there was very weak. It, it was weak, but also the employment index part of that was down to nineteen point four from twenty eight point one, which is what it was last month. Nineteen point four is the, actually the lowest since May last year. So that's another sign, perhaps, that the job market is starting to ease a little bit. Yeah, certainly that that employment measure inside the Philly Fed index was was sympathetic to the jobless claim story as well, and I mean some of the other detail in there too was um, was notable for the signs it's showing on on supply chain stresses. So you know um, some of us you know supply deliveries big uh, big drop in that index down twenty points, and a, a drop there means that you know sort of supply deliveries are happening faster, and also the order backlog measure was down was down as well. So yeah, arguably. There are demand side um, factors probably at play there as well, but certainly, um, you know, maybe you know, sort of rap- rapidly increasing delivery times, lower order backlogs. You know, maybe we're sort of maybe swinging around a little bit on some of these supply chain issues, and you know, maybe this year is going to be a supply glut relatively, relatively soon in some sectors. And of course, we, we have been hearing sort of signs of that with some retailers talking about high stock levels and and those sort of measures. So, the, yeah, the. Philly Fed numbers there are consistent with that as well. They're getting the, also, stock, getting the stocks in just as people can't afford to buy the stuff. Yeah. You'd expect this, though. After we, after what we've been through, it is going to be swings and roundabouts for a while, isn't it? Well, exactly. I mean, you know, the, the, the response to being drastically short of, um, of of goods to sell for a period is potentially going to be to, to, to sort of overswing on the on the other side, and maybe that's what we're going to see. I mean, interestingly, though, uh, you know, the, the cap capex intentions measure in that uh, in that survey as well was it was very weak that was at a nine-year low so you know they can sort of tie that into sort of softer business confidence as well and i think that overall story was really the the major thing for for bond yields overnight and that's why they've ended up so much lower across the u.s and even even in europe even though you've had that um that surprise rate hike as we said you know we've got yields lower uh, across the curve it's sort of that um that soft outlook is is definitely weighing um more on the market's overnight night than um than anything else and yeah curiously equity is doing really well in the united states i mean it's, it's largely because of a rally in tech and a big chunk of that is because tesla their latest quarterly earnings revenue was up 42 percent on the year before and their shares are up 11 percent this morning so that's perhaps dragged 
the rest of the market up a little bit, but you know it's uh, but it's been up and down, hasn't it? It's hard it's hard to read the equity market right now because it's almost like one day up, one day down. Yeah, the the value hunters seem to. I mean, yeah, equities did um, did. Did, did slip away quite dramatically with that weak data that we've just been talking about, but then yeah, then have recovered through the afternoon. So, so I mean, other news from yesterday: New Zealand's balance of trade fell back into deficit. No great surprise there. I mean, their, their credit card spending is up a bit, three point five percent year on year from two point three percent for the year to May. No surprise for the Bank of Japan. I'm sure you'd like to talk about that, but we haven't got time. <laughs> but they kept the interest rate at minus zero point one. New home sales in Australia holding up still, one point nine percent month on month. But uh, after, of course, that big fall that we saw, 5% fall we saw in May. Uh, and as you say, today, uh, it's uh, flash PMI day, manufacturing and services, PMIs, France, Germany, the Eurozone, the UK, the US. This really is the one-day snapshot of how economies are doing. And it's not just those top-line numbers we want to look at. It's those new orders, those employment numbers, those delivery times, so we can see how uh, companies are coping with all those supply chain problems. This really is a good opportunity to see how they're easing around the world, isn't it? Yeah, certainly. Or otherwise. Y- y- well, uh, certainly the expectation is uh, is generally that um, you know, that, that there is going to be an easing. Um, I think the, the consensus forecasts for the headline numbers are almost universally for, for, for sort of further modest declines in those measures. Um, they're there in the exception, actually being you know, sort of the US services PMI, which is expected to be unchanged, but everything else is sort of either um, either flat or, or, or down. So, you know, no, 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 another interesting read, I think, particularly, um, you know, the, the European stuff will be watched closely. You know, we did see some French um, business surveys last night. The, the INSEE survey sort of held up surprisingly well, you know, sort of according to sort of the reviews of some analysts I've seen. So... So that, that that is a positive, I guess. But uh, but yeah, the the PMIs will, will certainly be the a key indicator to watch tonight. Nice to get an upside surprise, wouldn't it? And uh, yep. UK U, UK retail sales, we know they're going to be down. We're not going to get a nice surprise on those. They were four point seven percent down year on year. It's going to go lower, isn't it? I think with it, you know, no doubt that they are in or heading to recession. But uh, we'll get further confirmation of that today. Good look, good to talk again, Ken. We'll catch you again very soon. Thanks. Cheers. Thanks, Phil. I tell you, uh, Europe is a world of worry, isn't it? I mean, that's something else that was in the news this week was that Hungary today uh, has been meeting with uh, Moscow to try and get a deal to buy more Russian gas. This is Hungary. It's part of the EU. And here they are trying to create, uh, facilitate their own deal because they are so reliant. 80% of their gas comes from Russia. Uh, so they're not keen on any sort of ban. That's it for this week. I'm Phil Dobby for now. Back again on Monday morning. I'll see you then. Have a great weekend.